0: Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980, 1300 AM, or anywhere on that Odyssey app. It is 309 here in the station, 69 degrees and mostly sunny, beautiful, crisp day out there, low humidity, great to do things outside today if you haven't done them yet already. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature-controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com, and I appreciate them for sponsoring the show today. So there's a lot of information coming out about the capture yesterday of Daniello uh, Cavacante. He did have a chance to be interviewed there are some news reports now about some statements that he has made, how he survived, what he did, how close law enforcement came to him when he was out. And this, this is great intel for the officers to, to train on, to feedback, to get that information. So the fact that he's talking is, is a great thing, especially on, uh, you know, how he survived out there, you know, stealing watermelons and smashing them, drinking from creeks. Burying himself uh, during the day and not moving, only moving at night. You know, these are the things that he did covering up his uh, feces with leaves and burying it. These are all good tools as we move forward with law enforcement. But of course, you have the armchair quarterbacks, Monday, Tuesday morning quarterbacks, or whatever you want to call them, or people just who, who just want to attack the police. They find a reason to be angry at police and they found them. And it didn't take long. To do that, the uh, first thing this morning, and again, I talked about it yesterday. The first question asked by press: Now, here's a, a serial murderer out on the run, armed and dangerous, locked down an entire community, hundreds of officers response from all over the country, and the first question they ask after they catch, catch, catch him is, uh, "Why did everybody take a picture with him?" You know, was that? Was that acceptable? Was that okay? And uh, the Lieutenant Colonel Bivens had a great response to that, and it's simple as, uh, you know, I have no issues with uh, what they did. So today, of course, your Associated Press comes out with a whole article, basically on that, with uh, some expert opinions, and we'll get we'll get to their experts in a minute. But uh, the New York Post also ran with the same story after the the Associated Press. And and I went after the Associated Press journalist who wrote the article, basically saying this is the dumbest thing you'll read today brought to you by Claudia Lauer and her band of hand-picked, quotes, experts. Everything that's going on, everything that went on with this search, the danger that was out there, and this is what you want to key on, not the fact that these officers Rushed in, risking their lives. He was armed. He had his rifle with him when they got him. Danger to them. Danger to their canines. Danger to the community. Imminent danger. And we know this now because they've interviewed him already, and he said his plan was to carjack someone armed at gunpoint. And if they resisted, he's already killed two people. If there were family members in the car, would he have went off with children in car seats? These are the things that are out there. But you have these experts out there, of course, uh, you know, want to paint the police in a bad light. You know, is this, is this ethical for the police to do that? Well, you're damn right it is. Because you know what this photo showed of them huddled around this individual who they took without m- much injury. He, yes, he was bit by the dog, but he was armed with a rifle. The mere fact that he did not get a shot off, the mere dog, the fact that the dog is okay, Yoda. The mere fact that every officer went home safe is truly a miracle. This is a hardened murderer. He said he did not want to go back to jail, but he also didn't want to die. But this photo sends a message. Not only across the nation, but around the world. That if you are a violent criminal intent on harm in America no place is safe, we will pursue you, we will find you, we will take you into custody regardless of the obstacles, the terrain, the weather, or the time. And that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly what that photo should show. It should let criminals know that this is what you face when you do things like he did. That's it. It's as simple as that. Making it into something you're not by hand-picking experts who've never done a ounce of real police work in their lives or want to make a name for themselves or have gone on to the diversity police or equity police or whatever they want to call themselves, like one of their experts. That's what they, he self-defines himself as. And then you have the other so-called law enforcement expert who's a lawyer who teaches that John Jay has never walked a, beat, a day on the beat as a police officer wants to talk about things. Now, Now, there were other people who got into evidence. You know, all this evidence needs to be turned over. Anyone who took a picture there, that is evidence. It could be exculpatory evidence, and that's fine. And if I was the police officer who took any of these pictures, be it the one that I posted, the one that you're seeing all over the place, on uh, you know where the dog is basically sitting over his legs as he's between the underbrush, very thick brush that he was under, climbing through, while they're handcuffing him, if I was that officer who took that picture... And I was asked, hey, did you take this picture? You're damn right I did. And you want me to turn it over? You want me to turn it in? No problem. Here's a copy of it. Turn it over to the defense. The man's already serving life in prison for, two, for for a murder here, where he stabbed someone 38 times in front of their children. It's not like this escape case, and he's gonna face a bunch of charges from what I'm reading. He's gonna face burglary charges for breaking into the garage. He's gonna face weapons charges for stealing the rifle. He's going to face escape charges, obviously, from escaping from the jail. But none of this matters. He's already facing life in prison. So, esculpatory evidence, evidence that needs to be turned over, who cares? If you hide it, it's an issue. But the fact that it was taken, as long as you turn everything over, that's fine. We did this all the time. I was a homicide detective. Everything went in the case box. Everything went in the case file. And when I say case file, it's literally a box like you would store your Christmas uh, decorations in. It's a big box where all the forms, all the folders, all the notebooks, all pictures, every single piece of evidence goes in that box. And that box gets maintained for decades because sometimes it takes that long for these things to go through. Thankfully... He's now in a maximum security prison, waiting for whatever next step that's going to be. He was treated. He was given his medical treatment. Again, minor injuries. I know there's a picture of him where his front face is covered with blood. But if you look at the picture that was taken right after that, he had a small laceration on the side of his forehead. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. To where, you know, if you're wet, if you're out in the underbrush, if you're in the dew or or the rain—it was raining all night—and you have a little cut, a little scratch. If you have a, a you know, a, we've all done it. You know, you cut, you, you scratch something on your leg. You look down, and there's blood all down your leg. That's all it was. As soon as it was wiped away, you can see the little laceration on the side. Where my understanding is, the dog did grab him by the by the head and held him while uh, assets moved in to handcuff him. They did check him on the scene for injuries. It was live on air because there was a news helicopter above. But for those who want to twist this, for those who want to point fingers and say, oh, look at the mean police taking their picture. Oh, they think they're tough guys because they're taking the picture. No, they're sending a message. First of all, each and every one of them were risking their lives for 16-hour shifts, 14, 15, 16-hour shifts out there. Knowing he was armed. Knowing he's a confirmed murderer, convicted murderer. Knowing he had nothing to lose. And we know more of that now. Because he's been interviewed, he gave information, how he survived, how he moved through the brush, how he did things. That officers came within yards of him, but he buried himself, laid face down, and only moved at night. That he moved between perimeter cars because there was too much space between them in the inner perimeter. These are things that we're going to learn from. These are things that law enforcement will change the way they do things. But he also stating that he was going to carjack someone. So he was an imminent danger to someone in that community, their family, their children. But the media today, a lot of it, wants to focus on this picture. Because you know what? Everyone's safe now. We can go back to throwing rocks at the police. We can go back to demonizing them. We can go back. It's amazing how there's men and women out there that will rush in to someone like this. That'll go up against someone they know is hiding in front of them within yards because they have a heat signature from a helicopter that's being told. He's 20 yards in front of you. You're moving in on him. Yes, he's got his rifle. He's armed with a rifle. It's a scoped rifle. Keep moving in. Make the community safe. but then attack them when it's all said and done. I understand the heat of the moment. I I, I really don't, but, you know, I understand the frustration if you lived in that community having to deal with that, being afraid, being afraid for your family, being stopped by the police at every turn because you live there. Have them check your trunk or check your backseat or whatever it is, but it is for your safety. But the mere fact that we cater to these so-called journalists – who reach out and handpick their so-called experts so they could put garbage out as a journalist, is just sickening. And then the article, in the Associated Press anyway, goes to police incidents that's happened you know, in the past couple of years to try and inflame this situation, this, this incident, which was a great incident, by the way. Everyone went home safe. Bad guys back in jail to inflame the rhetoric around law enforcement. And when is enough enough? It's up to the public to say, you know what, if you're going to print this garbage, if you're going to put this garbage out there, we're no longer going to support you. And believe me, this garbage went far and wide. That's why I went right to the Associated Press off the journalist who wrote this article and told her point blank, this is the dumbest thing you'll read today, brought to you by Claudia Lauer. And her band of hand-picked experts. The New York Post picked on it. The Times-Tribune put it out there. Because this is what they want. This is the narrative that's out there. But you know what? The people who live in Chester County, the families that are there, the people who work there, these officers risk their lives for you. A simple thank you will be enough. Yes, they get paid for that job. But you know what? They had families, too. They had moms and dads. They were moms and dads themselves, husbands, wives, brothers, sisters. They faced a threat they couldn't see, that they knew 100% was in front of them, armed, and they walked in. And we let the media pick this country apart, put us in each corner of our ring so they can sit back and watch the fight to sell things to sell advertising to make themselves popular to get their name to get their retweets it's sickening and it's going to continue as long as the public out there accepts it it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio it's 3:21 we'll be back welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell show on WILK News Radio it's Thursday September 14th 2023 it's time for Rob's rundown at It's 325 here in the studio, 69 degrees and sunny. Now, these are stories that we probably won't get into in depth, but they're happening in our atmosphere. We should be aware of them. A wrong way crash this morning, early this morning on 81, results in life-threatening injuries. Looks like uh, someone tried to go northbound on the southbound lane and got struck by a truck and a Jeep. A new tap room is opening up in Scranton. Keep your eyes open for that. Wyoming County declares emergency after last week's floods. Area foster parents are charged with abuse, which is why we need to make sure we shore up our Office of Children and Family Services here in both Lackawanna County and Luzerne County. Luzerne County looks like they're in the right direction. Lackawanna County has been doing nothing. Zero leadership there. Scranton may look to uh, expand City Hall. Is that really what we need? I think there's a lot of other things that Scranton can do before they start uh, expanding City Hall. But if it's a good deal, it's worth looking into, I guess. The Arena Board approves a code of conduct for conflicts of interest. It's always a good thing, having policies in place to prevent things from happening. The Electric City Trolley Museum director passes. Our condolences go out to his friend's family in our area. It's a great asset to our community, the Trolley Museum. Monster Jam is returning to our area. If that's something that interests you. You know, that's the first thing I went to when I moved to northeast Pennsylvania in early 2004. Took my son and one of his friends to the Monster Jam at the the arena. And experts predict the next Social Security COLA increase to be lower. They're averaging, uh, they're estimating, I should say, around 3% this year which isn't going to keep up with that 3.7% CPI that we just got this month alone. And, again, you have to remember that 3% is for the year until next year's COLA. We're pushing 3 something percent CPI inflation each month. So how how are people on Social Security supposed to keep up with that? Uh, it's getting crazy out there. And that's it for Rob's Rundown on this Thursday, September fourteenth, twenty 2023. You can call or text the show at 570-883-0098. Let's go to the phone real quick. We have uh, Joe from Berwick. Joe, you sound like you're in a jet plane. <laughs>
1: uh, hello, uh, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to work here, and I'm listening for my turn.
0: No, no, but so much better now.
1: Okay, so so this is what happened. The These residents of Chester County, They have, that was a county prison this man escaped from. So the residents of Chester County have um, a a prison board that is accountable to their uh, county uh, elected officials. And if they don't take the opportunity to demand some answers, you you know, as I pointed out, this man almost certainly, because of the nature of his crime, what he's being held for, he would have been held in something called, you know, a restricted housing unit, and and he was not supposed to have access to certain things, particularly things he could use to scale a wall, and and how did and and you don't hear that being addressed, and of course no none of the so-called experts even want to touch that, and if and, and I'll tell you what I think is of particular usefulness, uh, nobody's talked to the corrections officers themselves. Because you, you okay, they fired the one. They're fine, but what, what do any of the other COs have to say? Because I'd be interested how many of them w- again would say, as I've been saying for years, "Hey, we're not allowed to do our jobs because you coddle these folks," and and you know the, these are questions that the, the residents need to know that they need to ask their uh, elected officials because as you said these. These income poops in the press, they don't know what they're talking about.
0: And, and not only that, but the state should be stepping in. Josh Shapiro was quick to step in in front of the podium, which, you know, he, he leads the organization. So I give him all the credit in the world for supporting law enforcement, you know, in, uh, in this endeavor and giving them the tools they needed. But, you know, it's also his. His experience now to maybe send investigators, maybe state send the state attorney general into this prison to do exactly what you're saying. Speak to the, the the correction officers there. Make sure they have the the support and resources that they need to do their job. Make sure they're allowed to do their job. Why have there been multiple escapes from this prison over the past couple of months? These are questions that need answer, need answers. And you're right, no one's asking those questions, but. If it falls under the county, if it's any county leadership like we have here, I don't see much happening, but I don't know the county leadership there.
1: Well, uh, could I ask you to do one more thing, too, when you get a chance here? Because I'm, I'm listening in between jobs. I'm wondering if when Biden's son and his, his uh, that woman he was hooked up with, when they disposed of that firearm right across from the school, as I understand it, doesn't that uh, fall under a very specific law? They carry specific charges with it for having a firearm, like in a school zone.
0: Uh, It does. He has not been charged with that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But he has been indicted for those firearm offenses today. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit.
1: All right. Thank you, Rob. Thanks again for your understanding.
0: Thank you, Joe. No problem. Uh, it's three thirty one here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is three thirty seven here at the station. Sixty nine degrees and mostly sunny outside. Well, Hunter Biden has been indicted on the gun charges uh, for the failed plea deal that uh, you know they tried to get through before. Looks like he's facing three charges. Two of the counts are punishable by up to 10 years in prison, while the third crime up to five years in prison upon convicted. He's charged with two counts of making false statements by checking a box, falsely saying that he was not a user or an addict of drugs and uh, and of illegally possessing a gun as a drug user, and the third count for possessing the gun as a drug user. Now, of course, this is trying to be spun every which way, After, you know, what a lot of people refer to as a sweetheart deal with his um, getting the diversion program. And, you know, there was a lot of talk that the attorney general and the White House, the administration didn't get involved whatsoever. But for that diversion program to be offered for a firearms charge, you need the assistant attorney general to approve it. So we talked about that when that plea deal was on the table. But now, of course, you have the the media narrative spinning it to where charges related, and this is how it's posted in in a lot of the articles, including our local paper who parrots the the Associated Press a lot of times and such like that. Charges related to gun possession by drug users are rare, especially when not in connection with other crimes. Of all the people sentenced for illegal gun possession in 2021, about 5% were charged due to drug use according to the U.S. Sentencing Commission data. Well, maybe, maybe that is, that most drug users aren't stupid enough to try and buy an illegal gun. Also, a lot of drug users aren't as public as a Hunter Biden is. I'm sorry, when you're the vice president's son, now president's son, or a senator's son, you are in the spotlight. Your drug use became public knowledge because of your escapades. It's very simple. You put a whole you you put hundreds, of, not hundreds upon hundreds of videos and pictures of yourself doing drugs. It became a public issue. Well, now that public issue is what we call evidence. Now, most people who do drugs quietly in their homes or out in a social circle that aren't known to pretty much anyone, there's not probable cause to arrest them for buying a firearm legally for not checking the box that says they're not a drug user. They get away with it. It doesn't mean the law is not broken. But this 5% charge that the media tries to justify this, that this is rarely charged. You know, these, these type of charges for drug users are rare. Yes, because, I'm sorry, you're not in the spotlight. If you were an actor, if you were anyone in the public spotlight, limelight, anyone, sports figure, that openly did drugs, it was all over the internet, it was all over social media, it was all over your computer, and you purchased a firearm, And somebody looked into it and says, hey, he didn't check the box, and here's all these videos of him doing drugs, saying he's been to these different drug rehabs. I mean, you have the vice president and now president saying that he's been sent to rehab many times. So it's probable cause that he's a drug user. He checked the wrong box. So even now that he's been charged, and and I don't think this is going to go anywhere. I, I think in the end, even if it does come to a sentence... He's going to get pardoned. I mean, I know the press secretary has said, no, we won't. But li- listen to the, the defense that he's given his son and cover he's given his son to this day. I'd, I'd be amazed if he didn't step in and pardon him. If it got to that point, I I'm not very convinced that it's going to get to that point. I think it's going to be squashed much sooner by either a judge saying, yeah, time served, you know, he's, done, he's, done, he's, he's received enough issues with all the, the public outlash he's gotten and such like that. What's not in this charges is disposing of the gun in a dumpster near a school. That, I think, is more egregious than any of the things he did. Yes, obtaining it illegally is fine, but, but for this administration, for the Democrats as a whole— To kind of brush off this kind of illegal gun purchase when they attack guns at every turn. I mean, for, for Christ's sake, you have a governor right now trying to suspend the Second Amendment because of an emergency. That has nothing to do with the other. But here, you already have the cronies in the press, in their articles, again, quote, charges related to gun possession by drug users are rare, especially when not in connection with other crimes. And only 5%. Yes, I'm sorry. Most drug dealers or most drug users, A, aren't stupid enough to purchase a gun legally, knowing that they it's known that they're a drug user. Or B, are in the public light, the way he is. So the fact that the only 5% charge, and out of all the gun charges, 5% is not rare. You know, if you would like a, a half a percent or, you know, 0.3%. I would say, okay, maybe we're rare here. 5% of the charges, that's not rare. Regardless, purchase the gun illegally. If he wants to take a plea, that's his prerogative. If he wants to face a court, that's his prerogative and right as well. And we'll see where it goes, but I don't think it's going to get that far. It's 3.43 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 3.47 here at the station. 71 degrees now and sunny outside. At the Bloomberg Money Minute coming up at 3.50. But I want to touch on this. Uh, it looks like North Pocono School District was overbilled $4.7 million for health care. And is seeking a new insurance administrator, you would think... million. Now, most of that has been reimbursed already. But the North Pocono School District is not the only one who uses this. The Scranton School District also uses Performance Health with about 240 employees enrolled since 2021. Millennial administrators, which serve the Scranton Healthcare as the Scranton Healthcare consultant, performs regular audits since becoming aware of the issue at North Pocono. The acting superintendent over at Sc- of Scranton said the audits have resulted in two hundred and thirty thousand of credits back to the district. Now that's Scranton District. Now officials are pers- in North Pocono are pursuing full reimbursement. North Pocono will seek another third party administrator to handle health insurance claims. Performance Health has reimbursed North Pocono about $4 million so far, according to a statement from the district. So it says they're on $4.7 million, so we're looking at about $0.7 million. North Pocono district business manager discovered the overcharges in 2022 shortly after he started in the district, O'Brien said. So your former business, di- dist- uh, former business manager at North Pocono School District just let this slip by? I mean, I don't know how many years it took to for $4.7 million overcharging. But thankfully, North Pocono School District got this uh, new business manager, Tom McIntyre. Kudos go out to you, Mr. McIntyre, and discovered the overcharges. That's $4.7 million of taxpayer money that's now back in the hands of the school district. Like Scranton, North Pocono is self-insured and uses a reference-based pricing model for at least some of its health plans. The third-party administrator, Performance Health, negotiates pricing with health care facilities. McIntyre discovered that Performance Health billed the district 10% not only for charges from Commonwealth Health facilities, but for all medical facilities, according to the district. So... The contract calls for Performance health to charge the district 10% of build charges from Commonwealth health facilities. Build charges from other medical facilities, such as Geisinger, should result in fees from the ELAP, but not performance health. It's a good catch, but if this wasn't caught and Scranton wasn't given a red flag because of what went on in North Pocono, that would have been a lot of money out there. It's time for the Bloomberg Money Minute. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell show on WILK News Radio. It's 3:54 here at the station. This uh, says increased pollen tomorrow, so be uh, aware of that. Let me see. 70 71 degrees and sunny outside, so hopefully you're enjoying the day. Maybe i get home today and cut some grass. It's been uh, it's been quite a while. My house is not going to be visible if I let it keep growing anytime soon. So there will be no drop box at West Side Annex for the November 7th election. And student poll worker program has been launched in Luzerne County. Coming out of Wilkes-Barre, there will be no ballot drops at the West Side Annex in Luzerne County. November 7th, municipal election officials announced at Wednesday's meeting of the County Board of Elections. The meeting featured discussions and preparations for the election, including drop boxes, poll books, and student poll workers. The election bureau had explored the possibility of placing a drop box at the county-owned annex building off Route 11, Wyoming Avenue in Forty Fort, near Wyoming Valley Airport. Election board chairwoman Denise Williams said the annex is the closest county-owned facility to Pittston Memorial Library, which hosted a Dropbox last year. Pittston officials declined to host a Dropbox this year, which left the northern region of the county without a Dropbox, Williams said. However, the Election Bureau does not have money in its budget to purchase another Dropbox and pay for the installation of security equipment, election director Aaron Harvey said. The Bureau does not want to place a strain on the county sheriff's office, which would need to send deputies to pick up the ballots from the drop box and transport them to the election office at the Penn Place building in Wilkesbury, Harvey said. Also, the annex is just a few miles from Penn Place, which also hosts a drop box. Williams questioned whether collecting ballots from the annex would pose a hardship for the sheriff's office. Since deputies traveled to Pittston, a greater distance to collect ballots from the drop box prior to this year. Online mapping programs indicate that it is five miles from PEM Place to the West Side Annex, and 4.7 miles from the Annex to Pittston Memorial Library. Board chairwoman Chairman Jim Mangan said the annex is not an ideal site for the Dropbox since it's a busy location that includes several offices and district court. Wouldn't a busy location be better for a Dropbox? I don't know. Just throwing it out there. There's a number of things there, he said. It's a busy hub for the county functions. He also said board members should take a more active role in reviewing video surveillance footage from Dropbox sites. I applaud that. He proposed that the board form a bipartisan committee to review Droxbox surveillance footage. His motion failed two to two. Mangan and Alyssa Fazzaro voted yes, while Williams and Cerniak voted no. Board member Daniel Sherram was absent. Cerniak said she is not opposed to the board reviewing surveillance footage, but suggested that Mangan present a more detailed proposal to the board at the next meeting on October 4th just a month before, uh, you know, the election, you know. And uh, do they really need a more detailed proposal to review surveillance footage of drop boxes? They are the election board. Maybe they do. I don't know. The Election Bureau is conducting a student poll working program for the November 7th election and has reached out to local high schools to qualify, a student poll worker must be a Luzerne County resident at least 17 years old, maintain at least a 2.5 GPA, and receive a recommendation from a teacher. Any way you get high school kids involved in the election process, I applaud. I'm, there's really not much detail about this program and what they're looking for so I really can't comment on more than that, but I applaud bringing our youth into the election process, getting them more familiar with it, getting them involved in it. Um, But just with any criteria where you need at least a minimum of a 2.5 GPA, age I'm not concerned with. I could see some parent somewhere at a meeting saying, well, just because my kid doesn't have a higher GPA doesn't mean they should be discriminated against and blah, 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 blah. But like I said, there's not much detail here, but I applaud every time they try and bring youth into the election process. So uh, Luzerne County will have a, one less Dropbox this year, and they're deciding if they should review video footage of the drop boxes to make sure that everything's going on properly. I thought that should have been done from the start. It's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. We'll be back after the top of the hour.